Welcome to Mind Over Matter with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. I share stories of insight, personal experience, ways in which I and others have overcome obstacles, and the importance of perseverance. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am thrilled to have you here on my podcast, tuning in weekly as I share two episodes with you. My goal through this podcast is to inspire and empower as well as motivate you to move forward in life. I also provide one-on-one coaching, so if that's something you're interested in, listen all the way to the end for ways to connect with me. Welcome to episode number 167. This week, we're talking a lot about authenticity, and we even touch on imposter syndrome, which is something I learned about recently and have experienced myself. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. I've brought on Kevin Layler. Kevin, welcome. Hello. How you doing, everyone? Heather, thank you for having me on. Give the listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? So I am in Maryland and I'm a mindset performance coach. And after being in this world for five years and being inspired by folks like Tony Robbins, Brendan Michard, Les Brown, you know, I know Tony, I believe his term was peak performance and Brendan Bouchard was high performance. And I've always just been very keen on mindset, though. So I just like uh, about mindset performance and what's behind that. The way I see it is it's emotional intelligence, confidence and identity. All those three things wrapped together, you know, really helps you in creating a, a mindset uh, to support you in terms of who you are, you know, the person you want to show up as and knocking out the results that you're looking to achieve those. So I just made that up for myself in terms of mindset performance, you know, and inspiration from folks like Tony Robbins and Brendan Michard and hoping to serve people in that manner. And how did you get started? Did you, did you have a life experience? Um, like what happened that you even jumped into this realm? Well, it's interesting. Um, I've always actually been interested in this work that I've actually been retracing my steps. And as a kid growing up, I remember a magazine that I used to look at all the time, a company called Successories. You know, I would remember oh. just getting the catalog in the mail and looking through the material and they would have the pictures of like teamwork or people in a kayak or an eagle with the little motivational quote at the bottom. And I always wanted to have that material, though. So I've always been interested in motivational material. Um, and fast forward to my nine to five job, I went through, uh, there was a point in time where I was comfortable in my nine to five. You told me I won the lottery. I'd be like, that's great. I'll put the ticket aside because I love my job. But I went through a merger. Um, I was on the chopping block uh, mm-hmm. to be released in over a two year period, just being told you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And I just didn't have the mentality. I didn't have the mindset tools to deal with like, who am I? I just went into this, this place in terms of who I was and how I was showing up was not who I was. And eventually it it just snapped. And it's just like, I can't live like this anymore. I can't believe that this is the person I am based on what's going on in my nine to five world. So one day I found Brendan Bouchard's material and I binge watched his stuff like for an entire week all day repeating the information over and over and over. And it just made sense to where I was able to leave that job 
uh, not feeling like a victim, but feeling like there's opportunity waiting for me past this job, though. So that was the beginning point of me understanding that, you know, watching Brendan Bouchard, that the stuff that I loved as a kid could actually be a career, but I had to go through adversity to see that was possible for myself. Well, that is so powerful, everything you just shared, because number one, do you believe that maybe in that nine to five, it's like you had an identity crisis because that's who you thought you were? Uh, well, the identity crisis in terms of before the merger happened, right. I was always supported. I was, uh, I remember when I first started the, that particular job that, you know, the managers, they were raising me up. They gave me opportunities to like start interviewing people for my position to bring on more people. I remember my first interview, uh, my boss was like, you are more nervous than the person we're bringing in though. Cause I just wanted to do a great job. You know, so before that, you know, the identity was I came in to do a great job and that was supported. And then when the merger came in, I came in to do a great job and I told I wasn't. So there was a crisis there in terms of like, like what is going on? I'm being told I'm not doing a great job, but I haven't changed. And then yeah, the crisis is and everything. I started doubting myself. Have I changed? And that was where the crisis was, though. So there probably was an identity crisis to and kind of like, what is the truth? in all of this. So in listening to Brennan's material and then listening to then people like Tony Robbins and Les Brown, I realized it's like, okay, what they're saying is their truth for whatever purpose. And I had to figure out what my truth was. And my truth was, Kevin, this season is over. It is time to move forward to the next opportunity. There is so much more available to what you think is available in this place. Life is just pushing you along. Stop resisting and let's see what else you can do out there in the world. And the biggest lesson I took from that was to be comfortable with uncertainty, which actually taps into your resourcefulness. You know, everything when life offers you uncertainty, it's actually offering you an opportunity to see how resourceful you are, to see how limitless you are in terms of figuring things out. So if we can get to the moon, we can figure out these situations that pops up that deals with our emotions in terms of like, who am I, or can I do this? Or am I good enough? You know? So that is how I see the blessing of that opportunity of going through the identity crisis. I think this is amazing though. But what I want to know is listening to Les Brown and Tony and Brendan, were you, what questions were you asking yourself and were you journaling? Like what process did you go through to kind of have maybe a wake up or whatever you want to call it to be able to have the strength and perseverance and the mindset to step into uncertainty. Cause that scares a lot of people. Yeah. I, what did I do though? So journaling hasn't been my thing as of yet though. I understand the power of journaling. My biggest thing is community though. So I started jumping into the communities. I remember one of the first online communities that I jumped into after that period to kind of see what was available to me available to me in this new path was Lewis Howe's School of Greatness. And I jumped into that community and I just started asking a lot of questions. I just I was being myself in that community and just listening to the feedback of people. I remember when I transitioned from that community to the next community for the next thing that was um, for where I was headed, everyone was like, Kevin, like when you left, the, the space changed, it, it shifted. You were such an energy in that group though. So that feedback 
you know, from the community supported me and like, okay, um, helping me in understanding who I am. I, I know I'm a community person though, but listening to the feedback kind of helped me. It's like, okay, uh, whatever I go into being myself is going to create the opportunity that I'm looking for. So that was like the beginning pieces of like, okay, if it doesn't work here, it's okay. But who you are is going to work. You know, if you just keep moving forward, if you keep persisting though. So feedback from other people and actually believing what they're telling you when the intention is good to support you helped me in terms of dealing with uncertainty in terms of like versus um, assumptions that I'm not good enough or I can't handle this or it's not going to work out the way I expect it though. So one of the like, feedback, one of the things I would offer anyone listening to this right now is if you have peers, friends, people who are giving you feedback that is really to support you and boost you and not out of ego, but out of love, listen to that feedback and implement it faster than you would. And don't be like, ah, that, you know, I'm not a leader or no, nah, I'm not a musician. You know, they're, they're just this saying stuff. Like if people are seeing greatness in you, look into that feedback and see where it takes you because you could be unlocking in everything, what makes you who you are and uncovering what maybe adulthood has covered up. Yeah. Well, I think what you're saying is the power of your tribe, the people that you surround yourself with. If you want to up level, I I love the saying that you shouldn't be the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think a lot of people, like we previously spoke about, they just get comfortable. Yeah. I guess even just in, in their social circle. Right. And so you mm-hmm. do the nine to five and then you, you drink heavy on the weekends and, and then it's like a vicious cycle. <laughs> and I, I can I mean, only, yeah, I can only speak of that because I think that's what I used to do because that was the social norm. And obviously yes. I wanted to fit in and now I've gotten so comfortable being authentic and it's okay to be different and to chase more yeah. empower, just more empowering things that make me feel good. I mean, uh, I guess the thought comes to mind just because, you know, we're not together, you know, in a particular group and everything does not mean I don't still care for you. It doesn't mean that I have anything against you and everything. It just means that I am taking care of number one in terms of self-priority, in terms of experiencing life to its fullest, though. It's, it's like the airplane model. You know, if the plane starts to go down and the air mask comes down, you put the air mask on yourself first so that you can then support the children and everything. It's the same thing. If I have to move forward, it's not out of hatred or judgment, but it's just like I'm taking care of me. And that reminds me of a Jim Rohn quote that if I take care of me, uh, and I'm sure I'm getting this wrong though, but if I take care of me, uh, that takes care of you. And if you take care of you, that takes care of me. And I, I truly believe that though. So it's just like, if you're taking care of yourself, there's just an uh, overflow of abundance that comes from that, that um, eventually leads you to helping other people. You know, if you're taking care of your health and you're here at your best, you're going to put out your best and that's going to level people up. But if you're not taking care of yourself at your best and everything, and you have other people that you want to serve, you're not going to be able to serve as powerful though. So, you know, just be uncomfortable in terms of if you need to shift from different groups or change your situation, know that everything is working out in your favor to see how resourceful and limitless you are, but there's no judgment. It's not personal, but you are really just walking this journey that ultimately will 
serve as more people than you realize versus leaving people behind. Yeah, well said. And something I want to discuss that we've chatted about before is this whole imposter syndrome. Because I actually, I only heard of this a couple months ago. And then when I read it, I was like, wow, I've experienced that. So can you Mm -hmm. sort of dive into what is imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome, I would say the question is, who am I to be doing X, Y, and Z? Who am I to be offering this knowledge, this training, this teaching, uh, to be leading this group, uh, to be seen as this person? Who am I uh, that people could respect or take uh, you know, information from those? So that question in terms of who am I is that imposter syndrome. And my thought behind that is adults have imposter syndromes. Kids do not. And and I thought about that. Why don't kids have imposter syndrome? And it's because kids, because kids will think they can be whatever they want, but the safety net that kids have that does not have them thinking about imposter syndrome is as adults or caretakers, we support them in their failures. We support them in their attempts. We support them in their challenges. So they will take the risk of I'll be a Superman, I'll be Superwoman, I'll be an astronaut or whatever it is they want to be. And they'll never experience imposter syndrome because we'll always want to forge their dreams. Yet as adults, we experience judgment, we experience opinions, we experience criticism, you know, for the big things. And when you are up to big things, uh, there's a term I like to say, you are putting yourself out Ment- you're, you're creating a mental nakedness of yourself because you care about what you put out. It is a part of your soul. And to expose that, and as society is, it's like you're going to get judged regardless. You know, adults are not treated like kids in terms of like always getting that support, always getting that comfort, always getting that positive feedback where you feel safe in trying to go further out. You actually come back in. It's like, maybe I shouldn't. Let me cover up a little bit versus expose what I'm up to, expose what I really care about. So so imposter syndrome is, you know, that creates that question then. Am I really good enough because you're taking in the opinions of others who are not supporting you versus where to move past that, you know, choose your tribe wisely in terms of people just like a child. Find those who are supporting you. Proximity is power, right? Find those who will champion uh, the the dreams that you have, and that will decrease the gap of feeling like there's imposter syndrome and increase the safety and putting out the best of who you are. Well, I think you, you nailed it there because when you're criticized, I stepped into a place because I think so many people don't want to be judged and criticized and will do whatever they have to to not experience those things. But mm-hmm. in the world that we're in, the things that we're doing, I just stepped into a comfort of being authentic and okay with putting this out there. And I believe that when you're being criticized, you're doing something right. So I guess I just changed the perspective and mindset that, I mean, feedback is good, right? Good or bad. It's feedback. Yes. And I would say that when you are being criticized and when you are being judged, uh, the thought process behind that is you are actually being a light in someone's life. You are actually shining a light on an unresolved wound in somebody else, maybe consciously or unconsciously, though. So you're triggering somebody. 
and everything. You're up to great things and someone wants to pull you down because maybe they tried to do something. Maybe it's their imposter syndrome being, you know, the lights being shined on. And it's just like, no, you can't do that. It's like, we mean, because someone else probably told them they can't do that. And they took it to heart. They kept that and they kept the cycle alive though. But the way we can break those type of cycles is when we increase our emotional intelligence and we break that cycle. And when we um, respond to criticism, judgment, opinions, you know, with kind, with uh, kind words, with empathy, compassion, and everything that supports breaking that. Though, and it's just like which one's going to win? Either the criticism or the compassion is going to win. And the higher you are in your emotional intelligence and compassion, the uh, more chances you're going to break the, the cycle of criticism. Yeah. So then, question for you from today's conversation: What is a key takeaway you want listeners? to have, whether is it imposter syndrome? Is it the EQ? Um, you know, asking that, who am I? What, what is it? The biggest takeaway I want people to take away in this conversation is authenticity wins. If you look at our world today, uh, that is basically the disruptor of the status quo. I can throw out some names here that you may or may not know. If you think about the musician rapper Cardi B, if you think about the president right now, Donald Trump, if you think about the serial entrepreneur Gary V, they all own who they are. And they, they, uh, they've risen in their own ranks to disrupt the status quo. All of them are judged and everything for who they are. But you can tell that, you know, as a president of Donald Trump, he is who he is. And that got him to his position. Gary V as the Gary Vaynerchuk, as the entrepreneur he is, he is who he is. He owns that. And that has gotten him to the status where he is. Cardi B, she owns who she is and just doesn't really care about the opinions because she's living her life. And that has helped her to get to where she is. So my message to anyone is, Whatever it looks like to understand who you are, authenticity wins, and that is the disruptor to actually live the life that you want. So whatever that looks like, however you can figure that out in terms of the way you dress, the way you talk, uh, the things that you love to do, the people you love to hang around with, find out the patterns that will get you closer to being closest to your heart and who you are. You'll disrupt patterns but you'll live so much freer and it'll be so much easier to have compassion, gratitude, and just enjoying the life that you have despite the up and downs that may come with it. Yeah. I love the example you gave. However, and I don't want to get into politics, but I want to challenge you on the Donald Trump example. So okay. I would, I would agree that I don't know if I agree though. Is he really coming from authenticity? Is he really, or is he just so ego? So like, I have a hard time with that example because Cardi B, Gary V, I get like, the, and I love Gary V. I love parts of him, right? Like he is so yeah. blunt. He is so in your face, but, and he is so, and I get that. And, and Cardi mm -hmm. B as well. But with Trump, I guess for me, I don't see it as authentic. I see it more as a power trip and being ego. And that would make sense, but and that could be who he is. I, I can only go based off what I see. If, yeah. if Donald Trump is, you know, his thing is ego, his thing is marketing, his thing is power, and he owns that, he wields that sword and everything as his truth, as his power, that's his authenticity. 
and I, I can understand how that might be like, you know, uh, you know, something to challenge though. But I guess at the end of the day, I see that as that's what he choose to own and everything. Most of us would not want to own that, but that's what he choose to own. That's what he choose to wield as his authenticity. Though most of us probably in this world would not want to, no, I don't want to like wield ego and power, you know, as my thing though, but there are people in our history who does, uh, that has supported them though. So it's just like, okay, you know, so I guess authenticity, you know, there's two sides to it and everything. There's authenticity in terms of the side of compassion passion and heart uh, and things of that nature, but authenticity in uh, ego, though, in terms of like, I mean, I don't understand why, you know, the upbringing to why one is chosen over the other, though, but a side has been chosen, and that's the life you are living, and it's like, okay, that's how you choose to put yourself at. I'm wondering, like, if you were to meet Cardi B, she'd probably be the same as you see her online. Gary V, same. So I'm assuming the same thing. Donald Trump, you meet him, it'd be the same. It's just like, okay, you are exactly the same versus you're playing a character. That's that's my thought process behind that. Fair enough. Uh, and I <laughs> obviously I don't personally know him, so I don't I don't have a different light. But on another note, I'd love to wrap up this conversation. I have a few rapid fire questions for you. And the the, <laughs> the first one is, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Ah, first one that comes to mind is it's not a flaw to have a big heart. It's a flaw not to use that big heart. Mm. It's uh, something that helped me because I have a big heart towards people. I used to think it was a flaw, especially being a guy, uh, especially, you know, being emotionally, I guess, in tune at a young age and caring about people, though. So I had to kind of like break out of that identity is like you guys really care as much as i do and it's just like maybe is it a flaw to have a big heart because all these other guys don't do it and i wanted to fit in with the guys but you know i was just like but i am who i am so mm. i came up with that quote myself to kind of break me out of the change is like it's not a flaw to have a big heart it's not a flaw for a guy to have a big heart it's a flaw not to use that heart especially in our day and age yeah i think that's awesome that you've done that because so many people i assume don't want to show that because, well, that wouldn't be manly or that would be vulnerable or so way, way to be you and be authentic and to show that. And so that other men can, you know, cause Lewis Howes wrote that that book mask of masculinity, which I have, but I have not written. And so, um, I mean, does he talk about that in the book? Is that covered? I I have not read that book, but I am sure that he probably touches on it. And um, I think one of the biggest inspirations to me to that quote is Tony Robbins, though, because, you know, like when he's on the stage, like Tony does not have any problems, like, you know, bearing his art, showing tears. You can tell that when he's in this flow and everything, he's really coming from the heart to be crying about this, whatever he's thinking in that moment. And it's just like Tony's a businessman in the billions and he uses his heart and everything yeah. as well as his savvy to be where his is though that quote just makes so much more sense to me these days that it's not a flaw it's a flaw not to use your heart you know be sensible in terms of who you expose it to in terms of who has a front seat and who has a cheap seat something i've heard from Brene brown though but do not go through life not showing people your heart because i think people want to connect to the heart more than to the ego people want to serve that you know if you see a superman or a superwoman it's like oh they're good but if you see someone who needs support it's like how can i help you in everything how can my heart help your heart yes okay and then 
on that note, what is a book you highly recommend or are currently reading? Ah, book that I highly recommend. My number one choice, Psycho-Cybernetics. That is my number one book that I would recommend. That is the book on subconscious and identity. Um, I read that book and it was a game changer. That's one of those books I would want to read twice a year. And if I wanted to offer a bonus book, Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. That one I just think is required reading for every human being on the planet in terms of just offering a perspective shift to drop the weight off your shoulder about how you could be thinking about, you know, what's going on with life, the bigger picture in life and how to just be freer of all the overthinking, overwhelming and looking at ways to simplify yet enjoy life in whatever way that looks like for uh, each of us. I love Michael Singer. Actually, I have two books by him, but an untethered soul. Is that the one all about surrender, let go, let flow? It is. So the two books, there is Untethered Soul and there is uh, The Surrender Experiment. The Surrender okay. Experiment is the one where he uh, goes through the journey of all he wanted to do was be a yogi, okay. uh, meditating in the woods and how he surrendered each moment to this is what's happening. Um, so I'm going to go with the flow. I'm not going to resist it, though. So The Surrender Experiment talks about his, uh, his life choices of letting go and seeing where life took him and not uh, being absorbed into the situation, but I guess being, uh, just working with it and seeing what happens and everything will work out though. And in the end, it did work out for him. So trusting that you are being moved in the right direction. That, that was a surrender experiment, which then led to the writing of untethered soul in terms of like, the practice of surrendering. Okay. Yeah, I, I love him. Big fan. Yep. <laughs> Final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self? Oh, man. What advice would I give my... Ah. Trust in who you are. You Everything of who you are is who you are meant to be. And I say that because as I am stripping away... All, unlearning, I'll say, all the thought process of going through and hearing opinions, media, things of that nature. I'm finding myself coming back, finding things that I used to love that can actually be my career, that can actually be of service to other people, that could actually be a business, that could actually you know, make me happy and make other people happy, though. So if I could talk to my younger self, I would tell Kevin, younger Kevin, like who you are, there's no flaw in who you are right now. Who you are is going to do great in this world. As long as you continue to believe that who you are is a masterpiece, who you are is a blessing. Never doubt that. As soon as you doubt that, you lose your way. You don't have to take a journey to come back. But if you maintain your status quo as the masterpieces you are, life will open up in ways that you will be thankful uh, for the choices that you've made back then. The past would be the present you. Yeah, I loved the word you used about unlearning because I think that is what so many of, I mean, that's, I think where I'm at is unlearning all these social norms and social expectations and this, I call a boring ass box that we're like supposed <laughs> to live in. So yeah. that, I loved that word. Nice, thank you. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story. 
Not a problem, though. So hopefully I have added value to the audience here, though. So it's been a pleasure to have this type of conversation. I love going into these topics, though. So thank you for having me on. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. To connect with me further, you can find me on Facebook, Heather Hakes. I am also on Instagram as Heather.Hakes. And I even have a YouTube channel. Guess what? Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>